Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 15th of April 2020 Hong Kong Stories podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. We know it has been difficult spending more time at home with your family. Not because you don't love them, but in Hong Kong, we're used to being out and about all the time. It's been a time to reconnect with the people we live with, whether we like it or not. So to reflect on family relationships, we have two stories about the complications family members bring into our lives. First, Matthew will be telling us about his father, and then Andrea will tell us about her mother's curse. At the end, we'll hear a snippet story from Sheridan. Before we get to today's stories, though, a hearty and healthy wishing hello goes out to our loyal Hong Kong listeners. Keep being the awesome people you are and stay safe. Smiles and hellos from behind our masks go out to listeners overseas today as well, especially listeners in Slough in the UK, St. Petersburg in Russia, and Ilkest in Denmark. Thanks for letting our stories into your ears. We honestly don't have any idea when our next live storytelling event will be, but we're getting the stories ready anyways and practicing for the time when we can all be together again. We'll keep you posted on the website, hongkongstories.com. We've also started collecting story snippets. We invite our storytellers to write three to five sentence stories and share them either by email or on Facebook. And we welcome your stories too. Send your story through the contact us form on the website, hongkongstories.com or through the Facebook page, Hong Kong Stories page. We look forward to hearing from you. Now with a story from the October 2019 show, which had the theme Unearthed. Here is Matthew. Back in 2018, most people, when they see and meet me for the first time, say one or two things. You look really serious, or you look really angry. Now, this happens all the time. So often that I'd have to often laugh and joke to myself and say, if I had a dollar every time someone said that to me, I would be rich. And then I would remember that saying which goes, if one person tells you you're a horse, they're crazy. If three people tell you you're a horse, there's a conspiracy of foots. But if 10 or more people tell you you're a horse, it's time to buy a saddle. Now, I don't like being called angry. I hated it. I hoped that one day in the future, when pe people would see me as a happy and relaxed person. That's all I wanted to be. But judging by how many people used to come up to me and say I look serious or angry, maybe they were onto something. These days, I admit it. Back then, I was furious. I was really pissed off. I was angry, man. And, and it was due to one person in my life. And that person was my dad. We had a really complicated relationship. And it all started when I was young. So first of all, for long periods, my dad didn't have a job. And that caused, that put enormous pressure on my family and I. It was so stressful being at home when money was scarce. Second, he was really, really moody. Like one moment he'd be normal, and then the next he would just fly off the handle he would lose it. He'd go crazy. It'd be really scary to be around. It was like walking on eggshells around this person. 
And I was so scared of him sometimes, I would be too frightened to invite my friends home because I never know what, he, what mood he'd be in. And I never know how he'd be. Third, he was responsible for the breakdown of my family. My parents broke up when I was 15 years old. My dad left home. And I remember back then how ashamed and embarrassed I was in front of my friends and peers to talk about this. So I just bottled it up. So I blamed my dad for everything. I used to say, you know, what did I do to deserve all this? Why is this happening to me? It's all my dad's fault. So looking back, I was angry. And it was around this time in my life, around my mid-teens, that other people, such as my teachers at school, used to come up to me and say, Matthew, what's wrong? You look really unhappy. Now, I was only a teenager back then. And I didn't, even though I thought I knew what I did, I didn't know that much. And my ability to control my responses back then was really, really limited. And from like my mid-teens to my mid-30s, I struggled. I really did. I was angry. I was frustrated. I was pissed off. And I tried to patch things up with my dad a few times, but it never worked out. And we didn't really have a relationship. And I didn't talk to him on friendly terms for about 20 years. But all that changed this year. I was reading a self-help book, and I come across a new concept I'd never seen before. And the concept was really simple. It was called E plus R equals O. Event plus response equals outcome. And what I learned was that every outcome we experience, or I experience, is the direct result of how I've responded to an earlier event or events in my life. If I didn't like my outcomes, such as people coming up to me for the first time and saying, hey, what's wrong? You look really serious or angry. If I didn't like that, I've got one or two choices. First of all, I could continue to blame the event. In other words, I could continue to blame my dad for my anger issues, which caused people to say those things to me. Or two, I could change my responses to create different outcomes, which means I could change. Now, when I discovered this, it was like a light bulb went off. It was like a huge, massive awakening for me, a breakthrough. Suddenly, I was hyper aware that I, me, myself, and I, had been creating these feelings of anger and resentment all along. It was my responses to an earlier event in my life that had shaped how I'd felt. Now, when this sank in, this was huge for me. I had just unearthed a tool which could possibly turn around my life. So I got to work and I experimented with it. So I changed my responses. The first thing I did was I made a decision. I chose to forgive my father. It was a choice. And I was inspired by Nelson Mandela, who once said, quote, resentment is like drinking poison and hoping it will kill your enemies. Now, I read his biography. It's a difficult book to read, but I got through it. And I discovered that after 27 years in jail, he was able to forgive his captors. Now, if he could do that, maybe I could forgive my dad. So I did. So I sat down, I opened up my laptop, I zoned in, and I wrote a long rambling email saying, look, I forgive you, and if you're up for it, I'm up for it, and I'm open and willing to rebuild our relationship. I pressed send. A couple of days went by, and I, and I got a reply. He had read it, and we, he was... He replied back to my message. 
Then I, did, I changed another response. We co-agreed, so it was him and I, to talk again. Now, the last time I spoke to my dad, it was a pleasant conversation. I told him to F off. But now we were, we were going to talk again. So we arranged to talk every Saturday on Skype. Now, just like I'm feeling right, like, right, like right now, I'm, I'm a bit nervous. It was just like when I was going to talk to my dad for the first time. It was really uncomfortable. I haven't spoken to him for four years at this point. We left on bad terms, and it was really uncomfortable. It was unfamiliar. It was a bit awkward. But we did this every week, and I started to relax, and I got a bit more comfortable. And after a couple of months, I actually surprisingly started to look forward to these conversations. It was like I had a dad for the first time in my life. Well, that's what it felt like. And we had some really good talks. Another response I changed was I started to see life differently. Now, I've been studying positive psychology, the mind, for a couple of years now, and I've come to some sort of understanding of how the mind works. I'm not a psychologist or anything like that, but I do read books on that, in that area. And what I've learned is that other people and circumstances cannot make me feel unhappy. It's not possible. It's only my own thoughts about other people and circumstances that can make me unhappy. So if I've got this anger in my mind, it originates from my own thinking, and I can do something about that. I can challenge those thoughts to see if they're true or not. I could decide not to attach to them. Or I could just simply let them pass like clouds in the sky, because that's what thoughts really are. And just let them drift off until some other thought comes in. So I practiced with this, and I played with it for a while. And it was a bit unfamiliar, and it was difficult to do. But the more I did it, the easier it became. So it's now 2018. Uh, sorry, it's now 2019, sorry. <laughs> Today, and I've changed. My relationship with my dad has changed. We talk every week, and we have a great relationship now. I, I, I can't believe I'm actually saying this. Because for 20 years, it was, I didn't look like it was possible, but it has changed. And it's amazing. It's like having a dad again. I've already mentioned that. It's like having someone on my team, someone else to talk to, someone who's supporting me on my journey through life. And it's, it's fantastic. And I finally let go of this anger I had inside me. I've changed from within. I'm still the same guy on the outside, but I've definitely changed. And these days, no one comes up to me for the first time and says, hey, what's up with you? Cheer up. No, it doesn't, that, that doesn't happen anymore. Like, I'm ha more happy, I'm more optimistic, I'm more relaxed, I'm more comfortable. Even my dry sense of humor is starting to come up again in some very, very small doses. So life is fantastic now because I've changed my responses and I've healed a relationship with someone who is really, really close to me. Now, it's Christmas soon and I haven't been home Wales for, for Christmas for 10 years and this year I am going back. And I haven't seen my dad in person, face-to-face, -face, in the same room for six years. And the best Christmas I've given myself, and possibly him, is I'm going to go and see him again and say, Merry Christmas. Nice to see you, Dad. Thanks very much. We hope that you have a great relationship with your family members, too and that you found this time together has strengthened it. We're glad Matthew got to visit his dad last December too, and hope that he can do the same this year. 
If Matthew's story reminds you of one of your own, get in touch. Email us a story snippet of three to five sentences of one of your own stories. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than drama. It's better than comedy. It's real life. Now with a story from 2018, here is Andrea. My mom cursed me. You are not pretty, but you're very kind. You're not so smart, but you can be quite hardworking. I do not remember how many times she had repeated those words to me. Don't get me wrong, she's not the type of Asian moms who constantly talk down to you just to make you feel bad. My mom is simply honest. (laughs) So honest that she makes you deeply convinced. When your mom says you're not pretty, you really aren't that pretty. Fulfilling my mom's curse, I adopted a very good personality and diligence to supplement the absence of external beauty and incredible talent. (laughs) I would always smile and be helpful, and I would take care of people's feelings so they feel comfortable around me. I worked very hard in class, and I strictly followed my after-school routine from ping-pong training to piano practice. I'm not pretty. I'm not smart. So I chose to be this nice, kind, and hardworking little girl. I never questioned my mom's judgment. However, as I grew older, other people's voices started to come in. I think you're the cutest girl in the class. That's my cute primary classmate. You're a math genius. You're the smartest kid I've ever taught. That was my middle school math teacher. Honey, you have no idea how beautiful you are. That was my sweet high school boyfriend. Of course, I had to brag about it to my mom, to which she responded, poor boy, love has made him blind. (laughs) I was never rebellious, but these Contrast of opinions started making me wonder, could it be any chance that my mom was wrong? Carrying this wonder, I left home for college. With this little help of makeup and some basic sense of style and fashion, it didn't take me long enough to transform my image from a sporty schoolgirl to a presentable young lady. Year four, I got my first internship. It was an assistant at an English school where I had hoped to work at after graduation. One week into the job, I started hearing more of those voices. Have you seen this Andrea? This weirdest girl coming from? She's so smart and sweet and charming. Oh, she's a really fast learner. I think she's the best intern we've ever had. And apart from those voices, there were little nice gestures. Oh, free coffee, and a surprise lunchbox, and a little pack of chocolate hidden in my drawer. Wait a second. I know these things happen pretty commonly to you smart, pretty ladies, but they don't happen to me. I'm not pretty. Or am I pretty? I am pretty, and I am smart. My mom was wrong. And with this major discovery, I embarked on a journey of escaping my mom's curse. 
First thing first, I made it my daily priority to maintain my very good appearance when I entered the school. So every day, I receive compliment on my nice outfit and my perfect makeup. I would still smile a lot, but I also noticed that there were extra benefits coming with the smile. Whenever I was bored with my paperwork, I could just turn to my colleague and say, "Jason, this teaching plan is really killing me. Can you help me proofread it?" And the best part is, because it was an internship, I could always use classes or school events as excuses for not going to work. And that's exactly how I skipped the most tedious part of the job, when I had to sit in classrooms helping with the logistics. After all, my curse is being broken. Why bother working so hard when I could finally beauty and smart my way out? Six months later, my internship was coming to an end. Everything went well; no questions asked, even from Jason. So when I brought up the idea of applying for a teaching position to my supervisor, he was very supportive. In fact, he said I could just skip the interview and go straight do a demo teaching. How about you talk about prepositions? You've worked on several teaching plans of mine, and you should have fair knowledge about it. Let's just do it next Monday. Prepositions, teaching plans. I had not looked at any teaching plans for the past three months. It was all Jason. So now I had three days to catch up with my three months of work, and that ended up being three days of cramming in the library with a pile of teaching plans that Jason worked on. Monday morning, I entered the classroom with a rushed out teaching plan, a heart filled with anxiety. And two very dark circles, so dark that even my perfect makeup wasn't able to cover them. The class went well. It was not a phenomenal success. Neither was it a catastrophe. The interviewers were happy enough to offer me the job, but they also agreed that I should spend more time doing classroom observations, observations that I purposely skipped during my in- during my internship. Of course, they didn't know that. So I called mom and tell her the good news. She's very happy. I'm so proud of you. You must have worked really hard on this job. You deserve it. Now go celebrate. Putting down my mom's phone, I was not in such a mood of celebration. It was not just because I was sleep deprived, but this feeling that somehow my mom was right again. I did not get the job because I looked good. I did not get the job because I came up with any smart ideas. I got the job simply because I worked hard on it, and even if it was just the last three days in the library. So I halted my escape from my mom's curse, turned around and looked at it. I saw this little girl repeating her forehand strokes at the ping pong table. Until sweat soaked her shirt, and I saw this little girl practicing in front of her piano for hours just to sync her left hand harmony with her right hand melody. And I saw the same girl burying herself in a box of teaching plans in the library, working for the job she wanted because she knew what was missing and how to make it right again.
my mom's curse turned out to be her blessing. Thank you. Curses and blessings. Hopefully, you have more blessings than curses in your life right now. Now, we've been inviting you to share some story snippets with us, and here is one from Sheridan. The dreary, drizzly morning of a breakup in Cambridge, carrying my books and dragging my sorry, rejected self to class through the middle of town. A very shy Englishman comes up swiftly behind me. Oh, miss, I'm terribly sorry, he stammers, clearly embarrassed to be speaking to me. It's just, I mean, well, your skirt. Mortified, I reached around behind me and felt my exposed butt. My skirt had gotten tucked into my waistband, leaving my backside exposed to the world as I unknowingly trudged along in my self-hatred. Fortunately, I was wearing tights. Thanks very much to Sheridan for sharing that story snippet with us. And thanks to you for listening to today's stories brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. The music for this podcast was written and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. Everyone has a story to tell.